Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to tell you about Dodge. This spring, the Brotherhood of Muscle is looking for new members, and the only way to join is to get behind the wheel of Dodge's only family of all-wheel drive muscle cars. The Dodge Charger, the only muscle car in its class to throw you back in your seat with 300 horsepower and still get 30 miles per gallon. You know, the Dodge Challenger, you know, the groundhog didn't see its shadow. It heard the rev of the most affordable V8 in its class. And the Dodge Journey. Maximize your adventure with the most powerful third-row all-wheel drive vehicle in its class. And certainly the Dodge Durango. Tear through April showers with the most powerful SUV with all-wheel drive availability in its class. Hurry into your Dodge dealership and start your introduction to the Brotherhood of Muscle. Welcome to Castro CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, and here as always, Bill Goldberg. How are you, buddy? Oh, ho, ho, I'm awake. <laughs> oh, man, it's an early morning. Uh, we got a lot of work to do today, It's uh, but it's going to be fantastic episodes. Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com, back in the studio, buddy. Good to see you. Good morning. How are you? How are you? Ah, doing good. I mean, we, we keep seeing each other. We keep running into the same events. We were at Lufka Call. We were at a McLaren event the other day, and uh, it's just... Uh, uh, it's been fantastic. We've got so much uh, cool stuff to, to chat about. Um, I kind of want to get into a few things right away. Uh, first and foremost is Ford makes a big announcement and says, uh, we're an automaker that doesn't want to make cars anymore. <laughs> and uh, I, I was kind of hoping, Alistair, you can shed some light on it, and I'm sure we're going to have some opinions about it as well. But I, I get it. You know, we like our trucks. We like our SUVs, F-150. They sell a million of those things a year. And, uh, you know, other than other than the Ford Mustang, which is so iconic, um, they're going to continue to make that. But what's really going on with Ford with an announcement like this? Are they Are they done with cars for a while? Well, just to actually to go back a step, a couple of weeks earlier, they launched the, the Focus, the big gala event in, 
in Europe, really big news, and they said, this is the best car we have ever produced, <laughs> right. ever produced. Which is kind of a weird thing to say, because what that's actually saying is every time you launch a new car, that's got to be the best car, otherwise it's not as good as the yeah. first. So that was odd in itself. And then literally two weeks later, they follow it up by saying, actually, we're not building cars, we're not selling, selling cars in the U.S., whatsoever anyway yeah, it's the best car we can make for europe for us we have higher yeah, standards so, <laughs> so in, in the us you'll get the um an active version of the of the focus which is kind of like a, a bit like a crossover and then the mustang and that's your lot so no fusion no c-max no no Tora, if fiesta could go on but what's kind of strange about this i, I was down at honda uh last last friday and they must those, be having a party right oh those guys are having a massive party <laughs> yeah toyota camrys and civics and Everybody. everything everybody's just going to be happy right because they made a really interesting point that the first car that people buy is not normally an suv nobody goes out and buys a, a honda crv as your first car so you get into a car and then as you get older and your life changes, then you gravitate into, into different models, partly because of cost, partly because of size and everything else. And I just started pulling some of the statistics. I'll, I can ask you a question, actually. So just in the first quarter of this year, how big do you think the compact car sector is? So that's Focus, Civic, that kind of guy. How many cars do you think were sold first quarter of this year Well, in the U.S.? I mean, I would imagine that, that it's... It's, it's well into the hundreds of thousands. I imagine like an F-150 is probably the best-selling thing out there, but then probably like Toyota Camry and Honda Civic, somewhere in there, and probably Ford Focus is, is near the top of that list. So I, I, I would imagine there's a couple hundred thousand that they sell of each of those models. But So total sales for, for that sector of the market, 465,000 in the first quarter. For the, of, for the compact for car the market compact across car. all brands. Yeah. But what's interesting is when you then look at, I mean, the big problem with the Fords is, is that they haven't been very good. If the cars are crap, people don't buy them. Bingo. Yeah. And actually, people, they're, they're standing there saying the focus is going to be amazing. Oh, but we're not going to sell it now. <laughs> and so if you look at the figures, this is for the whole of last year. Civic sells 400,000 a year. So these yeah. are the, you can't sell these cars, but they sell 400,000 a year. And Honda seems pretty happy that it's, it's you know, making decent money on this. Focus, 160,000. So is the problem that Ford just wants out of the car market or can't make a profit? Or is it just actually that the cars historically have not been very good? Right. But 160,000 is not an insignificant amount. For sure. I mean, Ford is a huge company, but, you know, and and those smaller cars have far less margin in them for for profit. You know, F-150s, any of the big SUVs, you know... It, we're in 2018 right now. If you go to the lot and there's like an, a, a brand new F, F-150 that's a 2017 on the lot and it says 9,000 off sticker, believe me, they're not losing money off of that, right? They're still making good money. We just don't have the margins in these smaller cars. So, th- But the question I had was, was we have this cafe fleet number that the car companies need to, to achieve. What that means is <clears> – <throat> The government is saying by some year, I don't know, 2020 or something, uh, the car companies need to hit 25 or 25-something miles per gallon. I'm sure you know. I don't know the exact specs. What they mean by that is for every F-150 they sell, they have to sell – you know, three C-Max or Focus or something else to balance out as, a, as an entire company. You need, but This is why a company like BMW owns Mini. Right, and this is you know this is why some of these companies have multiple brands. Some offset, you know, yeah. Chrysler picks up Fiat, you know, because they every one of those cars they sell, they'll they'll sell. They're not going to sell 
500,000, but if they can sell, you know, 50,000 of those and they all get 35 miles per gallon, that offsets every ram that they sell. You know. It's a good point and it's and, and I still come back to what I said earlier, not a, you know, not just people when you start out in life, you want a cheap economical car. Yeah. This ticks loads of boxes. They get all the all the cafe stuff but also the 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 kind of new human need for cheap economical transport. So now do you have to go to Honda? Is Ford basically saying you can buy a Corolla or you can buy a buy a Civic, and then you know maybe later in life when you made a bit more money you can you can come and buy a Ford because what does Ford have that's cheaper? The EcoSport? Have you driven an EcoSport? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, it doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> Don't ask me that question. See, that's a, for sure. It's a funny because here's a here's a serious serious issue is is Bill doesn't actually fit in a lot of those cars, right? He's a big dude. It's not like you can't be six four and fit in those cars. You just don't. Your just shoulders are uncomfortable in a in a in a in a some of those seats and some of those cars and the way they sit. So, you know, for for the sake of comedy, yeah, we'll squeeze you in a Miata <laughs> just to see what happens, you know. And uh, and but. But it's it's not a car for everybody. This is why you roll around in like you know in a truck or an Escalade or, or even the muscle cars you have. They're they're big cars mm-hmm. these days. You know, um, I'm sure some of the cars in your collection are tough to get into. Except you know like a '67 Mustang has a low back seat in it, and there's not much to it. It's just enough to hit you on the small of your back. And Positives then, and negatives <laughs> with everything. But, yeah. You know, for the most part, the, the collection's tailored towards vehicles that I can uh, get in and out of quite easily. Yeah. Um, the Cobra doesn't lend itself to that, but uh, it's like a monkey humping a football going down the road. Yeah. Luckily, there's no top or anything on it. But it is what it is. 50% of your body's outside the car. Yeah. Not that that's Sacri- safe. Sacrifice. <laughs> Not that that's Thank a you. safe way to go, but but yeah, but it happens. All right. So do we know if this is going to extend down to some of the other brands that Ford owns? Are they going to make a Lincoln Continental? This is this is the the big question at the moment. We know Ford needs to get into the EV game. They're hugely behind on that. Um, Lincoln, they've been super quiet. So yeah. you know, is Lincoln? Obviously, we know the Aviator's coming. The Navigator's a big part. You know, huge, huge, huge. They're going to sell them. well. They're going to sell. Yeah, well. and they so, have to be doing well. Yeah, they have to be doing well. I mean, and and actually, the thing, and of course, a lot of these cars are all about platform sharing. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do a Ford car, and and also in Europe, cars tend to be smaller and everything else. So. If you don't do a platform, how do you do a Lincoln? So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of unanswered questions. And it's interesting when you go back to 2009, when obviously GM and Chrysler went bankrupt. A lot of that was because the strategy was built around big trucks and everything else. If if fuel prices suddenly go up for some sort of crisis in the world, fuel yeah. prices go up. How quickly can Ford react to that sort of thing? He's always saying, "Okay, SUVs aren't as gas guzzling as they once were," and that's absolutely true. But if the market shifts. You know, they've got, they haven't got a lot of flexibility. Well, it's interesting, interesting that you say that because as they make this announcement, three days later, we have press releases saying we're, we're right now at our highest gas prices in years. You know, if not California, all over. Yeah. Right? We're rolling around. It's four bucks a gallon out here. Uh, you should you know. try living in England. It's nine dollars a gallon. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's why we don't live there. Yeah, that's also, why I moved. Also, it rains that's and there's other reason. issues. Yes. And the, the, the food is crap. streets are skinnier. <laughs> yeah, the streets are skinnier. Um, although we do love going out to the Goodwood events, so there's that. That's true. No question. <laughs> um, uh, so okay, so what do you think this means for Ford? Because is there? You and I were talking the other day. Is Ford saying? 
we're just not going to do cars because we want to focus on trucks and SUVs and crossovers? Or are they saying, we're just not hitting anything with our current lineup of cars. Give so, us some time. We may come out with something ultimately, new. Ultimately, what do you think's up their sleeve? Yeah. I think it's pretty – they've been pretty hard-nosed about it and saying, you know, we can't build cars cheap enough. We can't make profit out of selling cars. The market is is transitioning to SUV. I mean, that's undeniably true. Um, shareholder, you know, need to deliver shareholder value, which, of course, is a hugely important part of, of their strategy. So, you know, maybe they're right. Uh, and we have seen other brands move in this direction, but not in quite, quite such a such a um, extreme way. So – you know, history will will judge this in four or five years' time, where they made the right call and and they're driving the profits. And you know, is this just a consumer thing? Does nobody out there actually want to sit in a car anymore? But for from enthusiasts like us, of course, no more Fiesta ST, which is a car that I absolutely adore. Yeah, Focus RS. No more Focus RS. You know, where where is or Focus ST either? But so, they made such a big push for it now. Yeah, they were bringing back the performance side of things as well. But I, I do see what you're saying because we had brands that were historically small cars. We had Fiat. We have Mini. <clears throat> and those evolved into four-door Mini Coopers and little crossovers and, and plumped-up Fiat 500s that are not really that small anymore. So, yeah. I mean, I get where they're going. They're trying to grow their base as well. Uh, it, but – I, maybe they are right. Maybe are, I mean, is, are the Fiats and, and Mini Coopers of, of the world selling a lot more of, of the fatter version of their cars than they are of the smaller versions? I mean, to be honest with you, I see a hell of a lot more of those Fiat four-door thingies than I do the little yeah. Fiat 500. Well, if you look at the compact SUVs, which CRVs, RAV4, they are selling about 800. So they sell twice as many compact SUVs as you do compact yeah. cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's just a fact. But of course, compact SUVs are more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, as I say, you know, if you're selling, if you're selling hundreds of thousands, if, if Honda can sell four hundred thousand a year the Civic and feel comfortable at that level, then these aren't small numbers. Even if it drops to three hundred thousand, it's still a pretty big number. So, what does that say for Ford's uh, attitude towards brand loyalty? Well, again, I come back to the point I made earlier. You know, they're actually saying to a lot of people who have grown up before. And if you think Ford has always been, you know, I obviously come from Europe, and Ford for me was the the American Volkswagen. It was the Americans people going all the way back to the Model T. It was about building cars for everyone that people could afford and people could get into. And you started to drive, and you had that expression mm-hmm. of freedom. You bought a Ford, and that's kind of going away. Yeah, I think the, the entire concept of that is is quickly leaving us yeah it is the perception that ford doesn't build that good of a car or is the perception that ford is more of a truck and suv maker my but this is my personal personal opinion on on the car market i've been around this game for about 20 years is if you build a good car people will come and it it, it basically is as simple as that you know you build a bad car people don't buy it you build a good car people buy it and it just feels the timing feels odd in that they've made a big song and dance about the focus. We, you know, the Fiesta's not coming over. I understand that you can't sell something as small and they're very expensive to produce in the U.S. I get that. Yeah. But the focus is a kind of classic American sized compact car. If you're going to spend all these billions of dollars developing it, you're going to make a big fuss about it. <clears throat> and then suddenly you're not bringing it or you're bringing one version of it. That Something's look- up. It's, uh, it's, you know, and where is the 15, you know, you think about people buying a, a yeah. used car, where is the 15000 $10,000, $15,000 Ford that's maybe a year or two old, and you could get into a Focus or a Fiesta at that price point, and then you get people into the brand. 
Is this is this going to just end up being taking a Ford Focus platform and putting a four-inch lift on it and calling it a crossover? Well, to some extent, that's what modern SUVs are, right? Right. Yeah. Like, that's kind of where we are. We don't have, like, full-frame chassis, you know, SUVs and stuff, you know, other than our big trucks. Everything is still just a, a unibody platform of some sort, and, and, and everybody's doing it that way. Um, that's the counter-argument that this is just a car this is just a car by another means that is their argument but then as I say if you're driven an EcoSport okay well well, maybe part of this was just about reaction just to see what sort of public reaction and Wall Street reaction they were going to get and you may not know the answer to this I didn't get a chance to look this up ahead of time but how did Wall Street react I think well what happened with their stock price when they made this announcement I think initially favorably um, because I think people, you know, Wall Street chases profit, right? Mm-hmm. And if the profits are in SUVs, and we, if the, if if Ford is saying it's a bit like when GM sold sold Opel in Europe, yeah. you know, if you can make a statement that in the short term at least we're going to increase profits by getting rid of these vehicles that aren't making us money, then Wall Street's going to like it. My question is what the medium term is. So yeah. short term, I absolutely get it from a shareholder perspective. Uh, same with GM getting rid of Opel in Europe and all the rest of it, but. You know what? It's the medium. It's the medium long term yeah. thing, and also you know, sadly these companies only become about shareholders. You know, Ford has got to think about what its long term reputation, what it images, what it represents. And as I say, maybe they're right and we're wrong. Maybe over the next five, six years, we'll see these great little SUVs coming out that answer a lot of these questions. Well, maybe, a, hope, a, hope, as far as reputation, so. Ford has built a brand based off of their trucks and their Mustang. Right, that's seventy five percent of brand uh, equity, if you will, not necessarily loyalty or value, but that's just what we know. So, I, I guess a question would be: Look, I agree with Bill. I think they've got something else in the works. This is a company that basically invented the SUV with the Ford Explorer, right? Maybe. <clears throat> They're going to try to pitch something else. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know we've sort of evolved into uh, crossover vehicles as a category, and BMW likes to do a sport utility vehicle or a sport active utility or whatever they're calling it. But it really kind of started with the Ford Explorer. So there's not to say that there's going to be something that comes out that they're going to try to create a category, yeah. not just a new vehicle, not just, hey, here's a new crossover, here's a new SUV. They're going to try to brand it something and create their own new category of vehicle and start pushing some some maybe one or two vehicles within that category. That's kind of what I'm feeling like Ford's going to do. And they may have a big enough brand to pull that off. We, I mean, we know EVs is going to be a key push for them, and that rather than just build an electric version of a Focus, which they've done in the past, they will actually bring out and you know these will be standalone electric vehicles. So yeah, but, yeah that's a game everybody's in, and they've got to be in, and they're behind in. Yeah, but if they get at it first and plan their marketing correctly, instead of saying we have an electric crossover, they can n- come out with something that's an electric crossover, give it a new category name. And 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 just start attacking that. Say you can buy a pickup truck, you can buy an SUV, you can buy a crossover, you can buy this X Y Z. Yeah, right. I'll believe that, it when I say I hope you're right. <laughs> you know, like maybe that's what they're going after. And then of course you can buy the sports car. You can buy you know the you know the Mustang or something like that. You know, and maybe there's going to be variations of that as well. Maybe there's going to be 
I don't know. I hate to say it. Maybe there's a four-door Mustang sometime. Maybe there's an EV Mustang at some point. And they're going after this sport and the sport coupe, which is a category that I hate. Because why do we have a four-door sport coupe? It's just a why not? Why not we just call it a sports sedan? Because sedans is four doors to me, and BMW Mercedes this drives me nuts. Why have uh, a BMW uh, six series and then a, a six grand coupe? It's a coupe, or you guys coupe, coupe, coupe. It's got four doors, right? That's sedan to me. But this is the whole point that people don't buy cars. Nobody wants a sedan, so we're going to send you a, sell you a sedan, but call it a coupe. the endless loop continues it's human psychology yeah it's a weird thing but that's a category that essentially i i don't know who created that maybe mercedes did with a cls yeah right they probably created that category and bmw got into it and audi with a a7 yeah you know they sort of got into that as well you know and it's just like here's the sedan but you know the seating position is lower, and you're sitting a little bit lower in the car, and you've got no rear headroom. You get yeah. no rear headroom, so it's a backseat M- for M5 versus the E63. Yeah, so these are two cars that we love. Speak to me. Yeah, two cars that we love. M5 is making <clears throat> making a big change in that they're going to all wheel drive, which they haven't done before, uh, and an insane amount of horsepower, and because of that. I'm sure there's some sort of two-wheel drive setting or it does it automatically and there's some kind of crazy drift mode because not that anybody does that. You can't sell a sports car without having that kind of stuff in there. But can can an M5 now launch with the aggressiveness of a, I don't know, a, a Nissan GTR or R8 or something like that and, uh, and compete in this world of super sedans? By the way, super sedans, a category I love. Love the super sedan category. I love the idea of a four-door that's faster than pretty much anything else you can get out there. You're damn right. So you've recently got behind the wheel of a couple of these or your people did? My people. <laughs> your <Yeah>. people. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> what have I become? Yeah. Uh, your Edmonds people? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm about to get behind the We've had them. Uh, actually, we've got them in the office at the moment. for. Uh, They're twin- twitting the seed for you now? Uh, yeah, they're uh, just going to carry me on a. On a <laughs> <laughs> that was what the conveyor belt was for. Exactly. So we had them down at our test track yesterday, um, both the E63 and an M5 for a video that we're launching in a couple of weeks, uh, May the 25th. I'll give you more details on that later. Uh, so we had both of them on, uh, down at the Edmonds test track, so we ran some figures on them. Um, I don't have the definitive. We're just crunching some of the data at the moment. But early suggestions suggest that the E63, 0 to 60 in 3.2, quarter of a mile in 11.1. Um, M5, we just, we just find a moment. We think the M5 is going to be fractionally quicker, but we're talking like a tenth or two. Yeah. Uh, That's what ju- sells. We're just pulling You're that You're never going to feel moment. it. But it sells cars. It, it sells cars. I mean, both of these. Funny, we also had a McLaren 570 Spider came, came down. McLaren wanted to come down and see our test facilities yesterday, and their PR came down and turned up in a, a 570 Spider. And I said, "Look, this is the least powered car we've got. We've got on the circuit right now." Yes, yeah. the, the the E63 and the M5 have got 600, 600 horsepower, which is which is crazy. But you you like this, Goldberg? One of the um, one of our test drivers got out and he said, "Do you know what this E63 is?" He said, basically, it's a Hellcat in a posh dress. Nice. <laughs> I like that description. A, a designer suit. It's a Hellcat in a designer suit. That's They're all nice. turbo now, right? Like, everything's turbo. 
everything's turbo and as you say they've got both got rear wheel they're both all wheel drive which helps them to launch which is why you get these crazy zero to 60 times but they also both have a, a rear wheel drive function now in the mercedes it's called drift mode and you have to you know you have to sort of go through yeah. 20 different buttons and stand on one leg the m5 is a bit more simple that's just basic but both do the same thing they put the throw the power to the rear it's partly about protecting the brand bmw rear wheel drive and everything else and it's partly as you say it's about having some fun drifting it around and down in the test truck we've got this little low grip circuit uh which just allows us to to play with cars without without destroying right. tires and putting things in the wall. exactly <laughs> and it was just such a hoot through there so um i've i've sat it i've literally sat in them uh but i'm gonna have a go tomorrow probably in, in both of them so that'll be fun Okay, well, you're looking of, forward to it, that smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a terrible – I mean, you know, Edmunds yeah, – what is, a crappy day. Edmunds yeah. about car showing. We, we know, we're just as committed to the Eco Sports and the CRVs and the RAV4s, but we do also get to, to test every car on the market. And, of course, you get excited when a 600-horsepower uh, sedan turns up. But the, the, the Mercedes is 300 pounds heavier, so it's quite a, that's, that's quite a big disadvantage. Yeah, I'm not surprised, though. That's kind of – you know, Mercedes has kind Gosh. of been that way. I mean, you you don't get into a Mercedes or a BMW for that matter and expect to a to limited not, cockpit. You know, to still have like you know, you got to have not just power seats. They got to be they got to be heated. They got to be vented. They got to be you know with all this stuff. And even even there's excuse me, there's a there's a version of these cars where you're like, oh, we've got a carbon fiber roof. It saves 20 pounds. Yeah, but you've got a 95-pound <laughs> exactly. power seat with, yeah. you know, and I get it. It's a little high up, and, you know, you want the weight down low and, and, and whatnot, but it's still kind of gimmicky. I mean, I, I mean, if you add a sunroof to that car and adds 20 pounds, are you, you're going to feel the difference? You're going to notice the difference? Well, the M5 has got a carbon roof. Of the, course. The E63 has it. But what made us left? the E63, obviously Mercedes has kind of thought, you know, this thing's pretty heavy. So they've put in these ridiculous race seats. I mean, these <laughs> These feel like they're out of an LMP1 racer. They're so hard when you sit in them, which completely destroys the East Authors of that vehicle because the idea is here is a German taxi that will that is limited to 180-odd miles an hour. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it may, it, it's, uh, but they're cool things. And, and actually, the, the E63 looks a lot cooler than the M5. The M5, we have a 540 on our long-term test program, and it looks almost identical to the M5, hmm. whereas the, the E63 looks pretty... Um, Aggressive. Yeah. Aggressive. Yeah. But if you get an M5, you've got to get in a funky color or a bright blue or something like that. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody knows it's an M5. Um, there's this whole topic of vehicle subscriptions I want to get into as well. I want to ask you guys about that. What do you think of this? But first, I'm going to tell you about the Dodge Spring sales event. Hurry to the Dodge Spring sales event today and become the newest member of the Brotherhood of Muscle. You love that, don't you, Bill? (laughs) Check out this lineup. They've got a Dodge Charger. You can own the road and the pump with up to 300 horsepower and 30 miles per gallon. The Dodge Challenger, which is the most affordable V8 in its class. The Dodge Journey, the most powerful three-row all-wheel drive vehicle in its class. The Dodge Durango, which is the most powerful SUV with all-wheel drive availability in its class. I love the theme. Is every one of these is most powerful, most powerful, most powerful. I guess Dodge is on to something. I think they've got a theme here. And it's working. <laughs> you know, they're, uh, they got it done. I, I feel like the Dodge Challenger, they say most affordable V8 in its class. I love that that's the base V8, and then there's a Hellcat, and then there's a Demon on it. And the Demon still is the most powerful. I don't know what class it's in, but it's still the most powerful. But anyway, your initiation to the Brotherhood of Muscle starts at your local Dodge dealership. Okay, vehicle subscriptions. 
you can buy a car, you can lease a car, you can go to your enterprise rental place and get a car. But now we're talking about, uh, I don't know, BMW, Porsche, or somebody is, is – uh, several car companies are launching a subscription-based model that is saying you pay us a few thousand dollars a month. Not inexpensive. And then, you know, you want to drive your M5 for the week? That's fine. You're going to take the kids and, and go skiing up in Mammoth? Just give us a call. We'll swap it out for uh, uh, X5 Amber or something. Why are we doing this and is it worth it? That uh, That's a good question because it, it slightly depends on and, – and people are doing this in very different ways. I think the ethos behind it is we're so used to now with our, with our phones, you pay a subscription and every two years you get a new phone and – and so the mentality, it's the same mentality. The issue, uh, and, but then people are going out about it in different ways. So if you look at what Volvo's doing with the XC40, that $600 starts at $600 a month. And that is, that is effectively leasing by another means. So you get the car, but not only do you get the car, you also get the insurance and the warranty. So that is just kind of hassle-free, mm-hmm. pay your $600 a month, and the car arrives, no down payment, the car arrives, and after a year or, year or two, you can then swap it in for a new Volvo or whatever you like. I like that scheme. We've, we've, run, the fig- we've run the figures on it. It makes sense. It's hassle-free. You know, there's, 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 there's much to like about it. So for Volvo, it makes sense? For Volvo. Financially, for, yeah, financially it makes sense it's about, for the customer. It's about break-even, depending on your insurance, where you sit, and that sort of thing. But it's probably break-even. But just taking away the hassle of having to do all that independently and everything else, that's – so we, we like that. Then you get into the way other people are doing it. So Porsche have a scheme which is either $2,000 a month for, and you can get a, a Cayman, a Boxster, a Macan or a Cayenne and sort of the entry-level models. $3,000 a month and you're into a 911 Cayman, Boxster, Panamera uh, and just the higher level things. They're trialing that around Atlanta at the moment. BMW has won $2,000 a month for sort of, you know, they're kind of cooking versions there. Or then... 3,700 for the M cars, which we think is nuts. We can't make the figures work. They're only trying it in Nashville. We're kind of interested how many people in Nashville, Nashville. are paying yeah. 3,000, not to diss Nashville, but how many people are paying 3,700 a month? I'm a country music artist. I don't think they'll be driving BMWs. Right? Uh, it it's almost feels like they've set it up to fail. We can't make the figures work at all. What, what do these do show then? This is quite interesting. We were talking about this yesterday. Is how much people don't. We talk about like true cost of ownership, and people don't appreciate how much a car actually costs because you, you think about it as a lease rate, then your insurance, and mentally these are all different figures. And when you start to add all this up, <laughs> it's pretty scary what a, what, a, what a car actually costs. So you look yeah. at, say um, – Convenience is great, but crunch the numbers at the end. Look, all, yeah. all cars to me are expensive these days. Yeah. Even the cheapest cars are expensive. I bought a 93 Cobra in 93, and the thing was like twenty grand. You yeah. can't buy anything for twenty grand anymore. And that was the top of the chain back then. I'm like, cars are expensive. And we worked out – so Cadillac offers um, $1,800 a month. Uh, you're allowed to change the car 18 times a year. So you said, so this is basically like an app on your phone. You click on you click on the app. So then, it, in theory, you want a different car, and then it and then somebody brings it to your door. Um, I'm not convinced because it's just a. How does the company manage the fleet? So if you want your CTSV, that's the first question. And Matt's got the CTSV, and you go, boy, we're gonna, you hit your app on the phone. Can I have my CTSV? No, the motorator's got it. You're not a happy. You're not a happy guy. Yeah. So then, do they have to have CTSVs for everybody? 
The next problem is, can you be bothered with a hassle? I mean, my even if they're bringing it to your door, you've still got to think about it. You've got to book it in. You've got to get your stuff out of one car. You've got to make sure that. And then there's and then there's other little factors where, like like Cadillac, if you if you take your dog, the dog's got to be in a carrier because that's one of the conditions. So no no sort of dog out there with its head out the window. So there's all these. There's all these little little things. Now, I think it'll work for some people. The Volvo is dead simple. Used cars, companies like Fair and Canvas, but that's kind of that's like a lease model. It's like a hassle-free lease model. The subscription stuff that the the, the high-end manufacturers are going for, like Porsche and, and and Mercedes, are going to introduce them as well, are all about swapping and changing. I've got a 911. I want to try a Boxster. I want to try a Panamera. I don't know. I'm far from convinced. <coughs> you know, we term. um. We get to drive different press cars and stuff all the time, and those loaners are usually about a week at a time. But I'll tell you, you're you're right on. The hassle of – I mean, look, it's a gift. We get to do it. It's, it's super fun. But trying to schedule it and then meet somebody and get the car and then, you know, of course, you've got to create content with it, right? But then, you know, when you get it back and did you forget your garage door opener and all this stuff, like, it's really not that easy to do. I know some journalists are super aggressive. And they're like, I don't even need a car. I'm just going to drive press cars every day for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much in a different car every night because that's part of my job. But you're right. The sunglasses yeah, but who books we- them? Pam? Who books them? Oh, one of, one of, no, no. One of your underlings. <laughs> one, one of his people. The same people one are getting their seat ready in the BMW. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Please. Can we just cut this, Chris? <laughs> you know, it's, you have to endure some of the pain, too. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Look, I, I've been reaching out recently. There's a couple, I reached out to BMW and said, hey, man, we, we'd love to get on the M5 at some point. And they said, yeah, it's super booked up. We'll probably get something done in June, and, and, and let's get it done. And, uh, Bill, I know, uh, I know you're interested in the, in the, the Jeep Trackhawk. Right, it's a badass Jeep. It's got a Hellcat engine in it. I want to see what a hundred thousand dollar Jeep Cherokee looks like, you know. And uh, I asked. They said, "Sure, we'll send you something to drive." Um, I want to send one down to you, but it, they said it's going to take you know four to six weeks. Just I to, wait for no man. <laughs> just uh, you know, because it's just booked. It's like yeah, you know, they're like Edmonds has it first, <laughs> and uh, so you got to wait for them to be done with it. Um, so I understand the strategy behind you guys also buying cars at you know for your yeah. for your long term fleet. But well, the other good thing about buying cars is then you know it, it's what everybody talks about, and it's, it's you know, we talk about press and you know all this fake news and everything. We buy the cars, we are honest, we're straightforward. You know, we, we, it's a very straightforward transaction. We've just you know we have mo- our Tesla Model Three is proving an absolute nightmare. It just constantly keeps breaking. The electronics keep giving up. It's constantly out of the shop. We bought that car and we're telling it as it is. Yeah. So if you come to our site and look at the long term Model Three, it's quite a it's quite an entertaining read. We love the car. It just keeps breaking. And you, you know my strategy on that is like I'm a fan of the cars, but again, he's just crowdfunding one thing after the next. You know, the Model Threes are just getting delivered now, and there was the announcement I think yesterday that said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a dual mode or dual engine a Model Three, so um, we're gonna start taking deposits soon." I was like, "All right, so you need that money to go build the Model Three that ever, or fix the Model Three that they have been delivering." I get it. Building a car company is not easy to do. It's tough to do. And it takes a lot of money, but... Well, also, you burn uh, a lot of money if you keep replacing screens and replacing wing mirror. You know, if you don't, yeah. if you, if you don't build them right, the cost is in the recalls and the, the shop time. Yeah. Everybody was giving uh, Fisker a hard time years ago when 
you know, the cars weren't doing that well and he couldn't raise the money to keep that thing alive. Look, the smartest thing that guy did was go, hey, th- this stuff's too expensive. You know, I, I want to do other stuff, but I tried it and it- it's it's a rough game. Without a big partner, without a big partner, we can't get this done. But um, anyway, so to finish up on this lease thing, look, I, I, I make a payment on my iPhone because that's how you get a $1,200 iPhone for not a lot of money every month. And and thirty seven hundred dollars a month for for an M series BMW seems like a lot. If all I can do is swap it out every couple of weeks for a different M, yeah, right. It's 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 kind of it's a tough it's, sell. It's, they but, made it as easy as uh, one being uh, one mysteriously appearing right in front of you. It's still not worth thirty seven hundred bucks. A month. It's not and. And I'm sure there's going to be a process where you can, like, just plan ahead and book these things a week or two in advance. That's the only way you're going to get it on time. <coughs> but I, it's not going to be like you hit a button on your phone and an hour later uh, an X5 shows up. Like, it's just not going to be able to do it that way. You're right. They're, they're just not going to have the inventory. Making the transaction may be seamless, but having it actually come through I, I don't think is going to be anything close. And the other thing is the psychology of saying, actually, we, we did the figures on some of the Porsche stuff. And actually 2000 or $3,000 a month makes a lot more sense than the MCO. When you actually add up depreciation oh, no and question. insurance and everything else, yeah. you realize yeah. it actually makes you think how expensive. Because people don't think about, de- you know, we're talking about the people that depreciation. Yeah. You buy the car, the money's spent. But when you factor in depreciation, when you look at this, you know, you think actually 3000 a month for, for, for a 911, bill swapping in and out of 911s, you think actually this is this kind of makes sense. Then you think, God, I mean, is it really that expensive to yeah. run a Porsche? But it, it's getting up that way, yeah. Yeah. But the Porsche's, you pay for your enjoyment. Yeah. Porsche's or at least the 911s, they seem to hold their value a little bit better. And yeah. for that reason, you can often get pretty aggressive lease rates. I'm sure if you crunch the numbers on a 911 or a 911S, fully loaded, that's $150,000. And then you take a Porsche 911 Turbo with no options, and it's $150,000. They're roughly the same price. I bet the lease payment on that turbo is less than the fully loaded 911 because that turbo would hold its value a little bit more. And if you just did it based on depreciation, you'd get a lower lease rate on the turbo. Lease rates always give you a very different le- – the, 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 the retail cost of a car is almost irrelevant if you start leasing. The, the le- what the cost of a lease is, is you know, skews the market so much. Interesting, yeah. we were talking about going to the McLaren event last Last week, they were telling me that you can lease a 570 Spider, and they've got a lot of people coming in leasing leasing McLarens now. People are just getting out of 911s, and mm-hmm. and they were saying that you can lease a 570 Spider for around two and a half thousand a month. So if you think of the Porsche scheme at three thousand dollars, yeah, you can have a McLaren, which is which you're going to lease for around two and a half. Then obviously you've got insurance stuff, but so that's you know you're sort of in the ballpark. Does anybody lease a Bagani Waira? Give me the McLaren <laughs> number, we please. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, I'm telling you, I, I'll I take just, my ten percent. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's so confusing for me these days. I I just I just buy used cars and pay cash, you know, because it's you know, of course, I got to buy a bunch of crap that's cheap. <laughs> but once you take it off the showroom floor, you ten percent's completely gone. It's gone, right? right? It's gone. No matter, was, no matter what. It, well, not no matter what it is, but for ninety nine percent of these vehicles, absolutely. I yeah. I yeah, can, I think you can. I think you can at least break even on on a Demon and a in a Shelby GT three fifty, and certainly some of the exotic cars you're getting in Ferrari. Something there, there's a list involved, you know, like 
look, Ken Lingenfelder goes and he, he's bought a million Ferraris in his lifetime. So when he's on a list for a La Ferrari and he waits a year and he gets the car, that's free money. Yeah. Right? You're on that list. You've earned it. You give him a million five, you get the car. And, and you know, Monterey in six months, it's worth two and a half million, right? It's a process. The best value car on sale at the moment, McLaren Senna. <laughs> really? Well, I, just I as much that you double Absolutely. your money instantly. Yeah, no double your money. I mean, if only we had access to the vehicle and yeah. two million dollars, whatever it is. Unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, arguably the Ford GT, which I I drove and I loved. If you're on the list, you're going to double your money because if you wait the two years, if you if you're not John Cena and you wait the two years, and you uh and you you go and you sell it, you know people pay a million bucks for it. I yeah. got an interesting GT. Or four GT story. Yeah, we Spill. got time. We got yeah, time. yeah. We got a couple minutes, and then we'll wrap up. Well, I'm in a quandary here. Uh, a friend of mine has asked me to to participate in a rally in June, driving his Monster Energy four GT. Okay, the new four GT, not yeah. the previous gen. Yeah, okay. Kurt Busch. Yeah, and. There are a number of issues I have with that. First and foremost, getting into it. But most importantly, it's like an invitation to a jail cell. <laughs> you know? I mean, you have to be realistic about these things. I was the, you know, we did the Bull Run rally, and I was in the 750 horsepower, uh, you know, Bull Run Mustang. And I was the first guy over the bridge out of New York City, and I was also the first guy to get a ticket. So yeah. I don't have good good track record with those type <laughs> of events and <clears throat> the car is gorgeous and it is an eye catcher as it is but it's wrapped in monster energy wrap yeah um and it's awesome and so you want to drive it, it the like thing's it's awesome. awesome right but you know what a what a horrible <laughs> but you're circumstance gonna, I but you're gonna do it though right <laughs> I, I i don't know i'm i'm toying with it right now i'm the same height as you and i mean you're 50 percent bigger than me but we're the same height <laughs> i looked up your spec and you are literally <laughs> you look spec. i looked at his specs and he's literally he, he, you're literally 50 percent heavier than i am but but um, the bad news i already know the, the answer yeah but we do i i've driven it i uh, drove it last year in the u.s we and and i i can drive you'll be you'll fit i think you'll be okay Will there be able? Uh, will but, a passenger but, be able to fit in it? But shoulder wise, yeah, I think you'll be okay. I mean, the seats are obviously pretty sculptured, but yeah. I, I think you'll be. I think you'll be because okay. you move the pedals away, so the, the seat is fixed in those things. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you know, Matt will move the pedals this way. You'll move the pedals the other way, um, and I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be okay. Okay, I, there goes the first. <clears throat> Strike off the list. You probably won't get a head, you probably won't get a helmet on though. That's I not know, gonna happen. I, Adam had uh, Adam Carolla had um, uh, John Cena on Adam Carolla's show. He called in and, and Adam. I, I talked to Adam ahead of time. I was like, if you got Cena calling in, you got to ask him about the Ford GT thing. Like you got to figure out what's going on. And, and? He, and he said Ford is suing me. And uh, he said that he did kind of fit in there. And he goes, you're going to have to go to court. And Adam was telling him, he's like, he goes. I'm going to tell you how to win. This is how you win: is you bring the seat 
from the Ford GT into the courtroom, and before you walk in, you do about 50 push-ups and a bunch of curls. Then you go and you sit in that seat, and you say, I sold the car because I don't fit. It's the whole OJ glove thing. It's like the glove doesn't fit. Like That's how you go and get out of this lawsuit and go, I can't fit in the car. They didn't tell me this ahead of time. I'm out. Um, But actually, I think Cena actually fit in the car, and he didn't have much to say about his whole whole deal. But uh, The Gold Rush Rally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gold Rush. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where they go. Think anybody will recognize me in that car? Oh, yeah. We're looking at a picture of it. Um, It does say Monster Energy Drink. It is black and bright green. It looks kind of badass. Kind of. It looks sweet. Now I can fit in it. I kind of feel like you should do it. It kind of looks like it's that way. (laughs) Just don't blame me if you get there and realize you don't really fit. Yeah, I mean, don't drink Monster (laughs) Energy Drink. Okay, you know what? This is on recording, so (laughs) you're going to be held liable. Um, all right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. Uh, I appreciate you all listening. Um, as usual, we'd love to get some uh, some feedback from you guys. Uh, send us in some questions. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at carcastshow at gmail dot com. Follow us on all of our social media. Alistair, uh, Alistair's on Instagram at Weaver Alistair. And he's on on Twitter as Alistair Weaver. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, nice. some sort of identity crisis he's having, but there he is. He's on on both of those. Um, of course, check out Edmonds.com. By the time you're listening to this, you're probably going to be able to check out some of the videos of the, uh, the M5 versus E63 AMG. Um, so we love those guys over there. Thank you for coming in, Alistair. Pleasure. Uh, you can follow me at Motorator. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook, all at Motorator. And uh, Goldberg, I've got it in front of me. You want me to do it? Here's the notes. Shoot. Follow Goldberg. He's Goldberg and Goldberg Garage at Twitter, on Twitter, and Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. So follow those accounts. Don't ask me. Um, you know, and if you get a chance, swing on over to iTunes. Give us a nice review. Let us know how, what you guys think of the show. We're going to keep plugging away. We want your comments to help us mold this thing. So, uh, you know, for Alistair and for Bill Goldberg, thank you guys. Until next time, uh, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs. 
and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.